Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are There was a shift in our nation this week. And um, regardless of where you stand in that shift, um, I'm praying that that you took a shift even deeper with the Lord and a shift into his presence. Amen? You know, the nation's shift does not determine our shift in his presence. You know, I believe this biblically. And, and they've separated church and state and all that. They've tried. But I think the answer uh, to any nation, it's the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? We, the people, we, God's people, are the hope of this nation because of the Christ that we profess. How many of you could say amen? So wherever you stand, however you stand, however you feel, you lift yourself up because you belong to another country. Come on, man. Come on. Today we're going to be talking, if you're taking notes, about shift, shift in the atmosphere or a shift in our atmosphere. And I want us just to uh, just get our hearts ready for that. And if you can, the, I'm going to read in a moment Matthew chapter 5 and... Um, I'll go around scripture, but I'm going to read in a moment Matthew chapter 5. You can start turning there to Matthew 5 and and just put your eyes on there and we'll get to it in a moment. But as we speak on shift, the word, that word it means, and I'm sure you guys know what it means. If you don't, it, it literally means to move. It means to move from one place to another. And sometimes it's a slight change and other times it's drastic. Sometimes a shift is more felt the reality is it has at times a greater ramifications to a shift. Sometimes it doesn't. And as we taught on attitude last week, I believe that when the Lord works in us, when he corrects and makes proper our attitude, uh, I believe this, that then there's a change in our atmosphere. That as we are being transformed in our attitude there's a a change a shift in the atmosphere as if we move to to one place to another a change one with with fruitful evidence with fruitful evidence you know the christianity is about fruitful evidence galatians talks about we 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 bear fruits of the spirit amen we got to talk about fruits a fruit if we're talking about christianity and the reason we started with attitude and and said that there must be a shift in our attitude is because I believe that, that there will never be change in our atmosphere if there is first no change in our attitude. How many of you can agree with that? That your attitude will determine the atmosphere around you. Your attitude will determine the atmosphere around you. Hey, you've ever been around someone with a bad attitude? Some of you guys call it energy, you know? Oh, there's just bad energy around that person, right? There's a bad atmosphere because it comes from the heart. 
There's a bad attitude. There's, there's just a bad heart. There's a heart that, that is darkened. So, so the, the cloud around them becomes darkened. The, the atmosphere around them is affected because of the attitude that is first in them, right? We've been there. We've seen them. We've been that person at times. One definition of atmosphere is this. Come on, listen to this. It is the pervading tone or mood of a place, a situation, or work of art. The ambience, the feel, the tone. I love this one. The flavor. The flavor. Atmosphere. Atmosphere. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this passage to you. In Matthew chapter 5, if you could put your eyes there on verse 13. Just listen to Jesus' words. He is teaching on what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. The longest recording message recorded of Jesus. Powerful message. Packed with some amazing truths. But in this segment of this message that I ripped out of the Sermon on the Mount, I want to read verses 13 through 16. And as I just described to you about shift and atmosphere, listen closely or read closely what Jesus is showing us in this passage. All right, here we go. Verse 13. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Is it then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men? Everyone there? You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its what? Flavor. If the salt loses its, its flavor, how will it season? How, how is it good? If it loses its flavor, it's actually one thing should be known about this then. It should be thrown out. It should be trampled underfoot by men. Flavor is what is mentioned here. If the salt loses its flavor, and it's almost as if Jesus is saying what? Hey, listen, if the salt loses its tone, its feel, your mood has changed. The atmosphere has changed. How will the earth ever be seasoned? What then are you good for, church? Like, really, look at what Jesus is saying here. If, if the soul loses its flavor, atmosphere, one of the definitions of it is the ambience, the feel, the tone, the flavor. And if the soul loses its flavor, how will the earth be transformed? That's why I said what I just said about the shift in our nation. Because... As much as you want to debate with me, I'm going to tell you straight in your eyes, both candidates, whoever was running, wasn't the answer. With all love, with all humility, I'll look at you and say, the answer is us. The salt of the earth who has flavor seasons the earth. Seasons the earth. That's what the Bible teaches us. Let's keep reading. It says in verse 14, you are the light of the world. Can you just write that on your notes? I am salt to this earth. I am the light of this world. You are the light of the world. It's exactly what Jesus always called himself. He's the light, but now in us, we are the light of the world. Look at this. A city that is set on a hill and cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16, Matthew chapter 5. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Powerful passage. 
You are the light. You are the city on a hill. And when you read this, it's, it's your atmosphere. Your atmosphere is the one that is to penetrate and impact the atmosphere of this world. That your mood, that your ambience, your feel, your tone, your flavor, your atmosphere. Listen to this. It is not to be conformed or replicate the ambience, feel, mood, tone, or flavor, or the atmosphere of this world. You, you is what we believe in. One of our codes that we stand firm here in New Life is we, we, everyone say we. We, we set the stage. We set the stage. Someone doesn't set it for us. Because of Christ in us, we set the stage. We set the atmosphere. We are the light. We are the city on a hill. We are not changed by this world, but we are called to change this world. We are not to take on a form of Christianity that isn't even to look like the appearance of the world. We are to be the light of this world. We are to be the city that is set on the hill. So that the world can see the difference in us. A shift in our atmosphere. So that we can change the atmosphere. Of this world. How many of you can say amen? And Jesus says in John 15, 19, he says, you're not of the world, but I chose you out of this world. In John 17, 14 through 15, he repeats and he says, you're not of the world just as I am not of the world. Are you guys getting this? That this world, we live in it, but we're not of it. We're in it, but we're not of it. We're here because we set the atmosphere. We're here because we set the tone in a world in which has lost its tone, in which has lost the atmosphere of truth and presence of God. Man, I hope you heard that. We are here because we live in a world that has lost its tone and has lost the atmosphere of truth and presence of God. So we come here and we say, well, if you've separated yourself from the presence of God and you welcome me in, know that I'm bringing the presence of God with me. You've heard us preach that here. You know, we say the sayings. Oh, Lord, we pray for the presence of God to come to this place. It's cool. All we need is God's people to come because you carry the presence of God. So if God's people are here, guess what? It's a no-brainer. The presence of God is here. Because God's people are here. And it's lost the truth, this world. The, the world has lost the presence of God. Look how people react over, over such things that they have no control over. Come on, you guys all know what I'm talking about. You saw the news this week. What are you reacting about? What are you doing? There's, there's a proper way of doing things. There, 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 where is the presence of God in this country? Where is the presence of God upon his people? And as we live as a light of this world, as we live as a city on a hill, I really want you to know this, that the spirit of this world does not like what you carry. It does not like what you hold. You know, in these same passages, in, in John chapter 15 and 17, the passages that I just read quickly, you know that Jesus goes on to tell his disciples that the world will hate you as it hated me. The world will hate you because you're not of this world just as I am not of it. He goes on to say that in both those passages. 
It's the world's going to hate you because you're not of this world. As much as they try to get you part of this world, if you stand strong and you always separate yourself, set apart yourself from this world, you're going to see that instead of accepting you and receiving you, they're actually going to reject you. They're going to move away from you and they're actually going to persecute you and ridicule you. If, if you are the light of this world in a city that is set on a hill, um, the world is going to hate you. They're not necessarily going to love you. I, I want to read a passage. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 4 for a moment. In Genesis 4 in the Old Testament, we see the first family. And we see about, hear a story about Cain and Abel. I'm, I'm just going to read uh, verses 1 through 8. I don't want to take too long because I want to get back into worship and I want to pray for miracles today. Amen? Amen? Chapter 4 verse 1 says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and she bore Cain. And said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Verse 2, Genesis 4. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. <clears throat> now Abel was a keeper of sheep. And Cain was a tiller of the, of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that, that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. Verse 4. Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? Look at what he says in verse 7. If you do well... Will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Sin's there. Sin wants to have dominion over you. But you were never called to that. You were called to have rule and dominion over sin. If you've taken a marital class with me, you know that or have instilled that in your, in your mind and in your hearts. Verse 8, so now Cain talks with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass that when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. You don't want to say killed him. I know, it's crazy, killing in the Bible. Killed him. It's a crazy passage. Verses 3 and 4, we see that, that both Cain and Abel brought something before the Lord. What, what, what scripture calls an offering before the Lord. Everyone see that? But in verses 4 and 5, the Lord looks past the offering. He looks deeper and past the giving. And it says here that he respects Abel's giving. He respects Abel's offering, but not Cain's. And then we see in verse 6 that he confronts Cain. And he says, why are you so angry, Cain? You could almost say that God was saying, what's up with your attitude? Why has your attitude changed? You see, because we could do so many things and fool so many people, but the reality is God knows whether you're giving and whether, in his, whether you're truly in his presence or not. And he knows whether your attitude is right and whether your heart is right or not. And there are many people that we could swim by and, and talk the lingo through, but there is one that we stand before that we can, never, we can never smooth talk. And God confronts him and says, what's up with your attitude, man? 
Your attitude is ill. Your attitude is wrong. Cain, you, you haven't stopped giving. Yes, good job. But, but, but the truth is, in my eyes, you have. Because you stopped giving with the proper attitude. So I can't receive your offering. I receive Abel's. Because there's a, there's a worship. There's the right attitude and the right heart in his giving. But, but Cain, there's, there's something different with you. What's up with you, man? What's wrong? And then we see really what's wrong. In verse 8, he goes to speak to his brother. And he ends up killing Abel. Cain ends up killing his brother. I want you to see this in this passage. That Cain no longer saw his brother as brother. But now he sees that which was once brother as enemy or as adversary. What Cain does here is he shifts to a whole different atmosphere. What, Cain, what happens to Cain's innermost part is his feel, his tone, truly his flavor, his mood had become darkened. All because he allowed his attitude to become darkened. You see, Cain's atmosphere was a product of his attitude. So, so now the one whom he labored with, his very own brother, the one whom he worked with, laughed with, cried with, shared stories with, these were brothers for goodness sakes, now becomes an enemy, now becomes an adversary when once he was known as brother. You know that happens in churches, right? Brothers become enemies. Sisters and brothers go to fight and go to war with each other. And the reality is it's not because of anything. But if we do a deep search within and recognize that the atmosphere has shifted because the attitude has first shifted as well. When you think about Jesus Christ, it's the same thing with him and Judas. A man he did ministry with, a man he served with, a man who saw great things and great miracles, and then something in Judas's heart changed, and Judas just carried himself different. And we know the rest of the story. And here is Cain's atmosphere. And I don't know if you caught this in this passage, but Cain's atmosphere could no longer coexist with Abel's atmosphere. And I believe that in Cain's life there was jealousy. And obviously there was anger. We see that. But have you ever thought about this? Maybe in Cain's life there was also something called conviction. And he didn't want to confront it. And I'm telling you today that we're not always going to be loved. And we won't always be welcomed. And we won't always be accepted because of our offering. And because of what we do. Because it's not the same offering of that which the world offers. See, the world offers that which is satisfying and will glorify self. You should write that down. The world offers that which is satisfying and glorifies self. But if you study the word of God and you've been transformed by the truth of God's word, you know this, that the believer offers all of himself to satisfy and glorify the Lord. I'll say it one more time. The world offers that which is satisfying and glorifies self. But the believer offers all of himself to satisfy and glorify the Lord. See, there's a different attitude in us. 
Because of that, there's a different atmosphere around us. And I believe that Cain could no longer just do life with his brother Abel. I believe everything about him started to bother him. You've ever been in a relationship with someone? Everything has gone great. I mean, you've been years friends. I mean, years married. I mean, years working together. And out of nowhere, from one moment to the next, every word rubs you the wrong way. Every action ticks you off. Everything about that person you can't stand. She or he walks into the room. The stench, the smell is ferocious. And you can't even take the smell of that person anymore. I don't think it's the person. I mean, they might be difficult. I think your attitude has affected your atmosphere. So that which once you didn't even care about, now you're being divided towards it. But that's not who we're called to be. We are called to have a different attitude. And in that, there's a different atmosphere. Man, that we could, that we could understand this, that, that come what may, let's go back to that passage, that come what may, that we are the salt of the earth, that we are the light of the world, that we are a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden, that we are the light on a lampstand that gives light to all who are in the house, so, so that our light would shine before men and that they would see our good works and that they would glorify our Father who is in heaven. That there would be a, a shift in our atmosphere and in that, that the world would come and run to the Father. That we would set the atmosphere and that people around us would be impacted because of it. I think about setting the atmosphere and I don't know, I can't give you 10 points, but, but I thought about two things that I know will bless your life. Number one, as you set your atmosphere, number one, build an altar, man. Start building altars in your life. Build one altar in your life. Wake up in the morning and instead of grumbling and complaining and getting on your phone and turning on the television, I encourage you that run to the altar that you have built and do that daily. You want to set the atmosphere around you? You want to change the energy? You want to shift in the aroma? I'm telling you, wake up in the morning, go throughout your day and live a person that is set on an altar. Build an altar and live in that altar. By definition, an altar was a meeting place between God and his people. In scripture, altars are where people had special visitations. We see visitations from angels, from God. At times of distress and need, they, they would return to this place of, of called the altar, of visitation. And they would present offerings to God. And they would request for his intervention. But I believe this, that in our lives, likewise, that we should have a specific place set apart where we meet intimately with the Lord, that we would build an altar in our lives and that we would be and we would become a daily offering, a living sacrifice each day with each breath of each day. That we build an altar and that we live on that altar and that our atmosphere would change. That things won't bother us and hurt us that we won't get so offended, we won't be so bitter, we won't be so narrow-minded. Like we would actually, actually around people be the image of Jesus Christ. You want to shift in your atmosphere, number two, purge the atmosphere. With what? What do you want me to purge it with? Purge it with devotion. Purge it with devotion. Well, what in the world is devotion? Man, praise and, and worship and, and prayer Purge it 
with devotion. I heard of a pastor that when he would travel to go preach and they would put him in a hotel room and he would leave to go eat lunch or dinner, he would put worship music loud, loud in his hotel room or in his house even before a service. And when he would leave the hotel room or his house and he would come back, he said, I would put worship in my house and in my room so that when I come back, the atmosphere in my room is already an atmosphere of worship. So I'm ready to pray and seek the Lord before the service starts. Some of you are like, well, why do we have to worship before, before, before the message? Like, why? Because we are a people of devotion. We are a people of praise. We are a people that give worship unto the Lord. That's why we encourage you, get here at 9.30, get here at 10. If you're skipping, if you're skipping just to come for the message, there might be an issue with your devotion. There might be an issue with your praise, with your worship, and then you want to know why things around you are just all the same. There hasn't been a shift in your atmosphere because you haven't built altars to live on as an offering, as a sacrifice. And number two, you haven't purged your life with devotion. Come on. For some of us, this is the only devotion we get throughout the week. But that's not what the Word teaches us. Devotion is every aspect of our being. Walking with the beloved. I think about First Psalms chapter 16, verse 23. David brings music and it refreshes and it gives peace to a tormented king. I'll, I'll read it to you real quick. First Samuel 16, 23 says, So it came about that whenever the evil spirit from God, so, so God would allow a spirit to torment Saul. Well, there's reasons why Saul was being tormented. It says David would take the harp, and he would play it with his hand, and Saul would be refreshed, and he would be well, and the evil spirit would depart from him. I look at this passage and say, man, if music, this devotion had its effect on David's life and ministry, why should it not have the same effect in us today? That we would let our atmosphere truly be shaped by our devotion. You know, I look at the life of Christ, and the life of Christ was a life that was an offering, was a, was a sacrifice to the Father in constant devotion to him. Remember, the disciples would wake up in the morning like, where'd he go? The heck is Jesus? And I don't know where Jesus was like, where were you? I was in the mountain praying with the Father. Yeah, in devotion, they go. This is just setting the tone, setting the mood, setting the atmosphere for his disciples. Do as I do, man. Seek the Lord. Come before the Father. And his atmosphere was shaped by his devotion I'm going to ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew 4, 1 through 11, there's a powerful scripture of Satan interacting with Jesus. Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. Jesus is about to start his earthly ministry. And he's, as he's about to start his earthly ministry, he's taken to the wilderness. And, and follow with me in verse 1. It says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That's crazy that the Spirit would, would lead us out to be tempted by the devil, huh? And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Verse 4. But he answered and he said, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, 
but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So then the devil takes him up into the holy city and he sets him up on the pinnacle of the temple, an area called Solomon's Porch. As Jesus is standing there with him, he said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and Jesus, and sorry, and in their hands they shall bear you up, and lest you dash your foot against the stone. Verse 7. So Jesus says to him, Well, it is written again, that you should not tempt the Lord your God. So verse 8 says, Again, the devil took him up. Look at this. On an exceedingly high mountain. It's almost as if it's saying, and the devil took him up to, to his own atmosphere. And he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all of their glory. And he said to Jesus, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and if you will worship me. And verse 10, away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. And the devil left him, and the angels came and ministered to Christ. It's a good scripture. I'm going to ask the worship team just to get ready and, and just make their way up here. And as, don't get distracted, but, but listen to this and focus on this passage for a moment. When you read Matthew 4, 1 through 11, the spirit of the world, or if we want to stick to the title of the message, the atmosphere of this world is the heart and is the will of Satan. I want you to focus on verse 8 if you, if you want to one more time. Look what it says. He takes Jesus to an exceedingly high mountain and it says he shows him the world. He shows him all the nations in it and he promises Jesus all of it. Listen to this. He says, it's all yours if you worship me. But I want you to really notice Satan's words. I don't know if it really triggered in your heart. What did he say? He said this. All their glory, I will give it to you. Did you catch that? All their glory. All their glory. You see this up here, Jesus? Yeah, I, <laughs> I created it. Stupid, right? All of it, if you worship me. I will give you all their glory. All of it. I said that he takes Jesus into what I believe is his atmosphere. What do you mean by that? Well, he takes Jesus into his feel, into his ambience, into his place. But you know what's amazing about this passage? Jesus is not moved. And Jesus is not shaken by it. Because he lives and he is surrounded by a different atmosphere, by a different truth. You see, Jesus has a whole different flavor in his heart than that which Satan was offering him. I wrote this down in my notes. I wrote, how dumb that we as believers, that we could discern the voice of the world. Listen to this. That we would discern the voice of this world. That we would discern the voice of Satan. Why would Christ or any of us in this room Want the glory that is in this world when we can live and have the glory that is found in God. Think about that. Jesus, do you see this? Yes. All their glory is yours. 
The first thought in Jesus' mind was, well, why would I want that? Why would I want a glory that belongs to the world and to the nations? Because we know through scripture that the glory of this world fades and perishes. But that we live for the glory that is in Christ Jesus who reigns throughout all eternity. That there be this genuine true shift in our atmosphere. That we live in this atmosphere but we are surrounded within a different kind of atmosphere and a different kind of voice and a different kind of mood and a different kind of feel that we are in this place, but we are truly not of this place. That when Jesus was taken up to the high exceedingly mountain and says, all of this is yours, that you would recognize and say, you see, this is the problem, that though I created all this, I don't even belong to all of this. I belong to something way greater. I am in this place, but I am not truly of this place. You see, you've shown me what you have to offer me according to your mood according to your place according to your atmosphere but everything that surrounds me is from a different place so I can't be shifted and I can't be moved by you because the things that shift me and move is the will of the father is the will of God and what does he do every time he comes back with away from me for it is written for it is written for it is written Because he knew that the truth of his place, of his word, had power over the word of this world, over the spirit of this world. And I say this honestly, church, that there is an atmosphere surrounding us in which we are called, just like Christ, out into the atmosphere in this world and not to be or to become like it, but to penetrate and impact it. Impact it. Impact it. Why don't you gossip like we do? Because I live according to a different atmosphere. Why don't you have sex like we have sex? Because I live under a different atmosphere. Why don't you get mad like we get mad? Because I live in a different atmosphere. Why don't you take a little bit here for yourself like we do? No one will ever know. Why? Because I live in a different atmosphere. Why don't you do these things? Everyone is doing it. I can't do it. Because you see, you guys are doing what the atmosphere and what the world teaches. You do the spirit of the world kind of things. But I live in a different area code. I can't do those things. You see, my life has been transformed. My attitude has been changed. And because of that, I live amongst you, but I'm not of you. Satan, you've offered me the world and its kingdoms and its glories. But if you keep reading the word, Satan, I'm going to destroy this world. So why would I live for the glory of this world? There's a new heaven coming. There's a new earth coming. There's a new Jerusalem coming. And I won't even think for once to live in the glory of this world. And in return, I miss out in the glory of that world. So away from me, Satan, for it is written. How many of you have been confronted by the spirit of the world? How many of you are being conquered by the atmosphere of this world? How many of you are being broken down and truly spiritually injured because of the atmosphere of this world today Christ has spoken to you and says that's not supposed to happen 
you live in a whole different atmosphere with a whole different attitude. And I pray that today you would have a shift in your atmosphere. I love what the psalmist writes in chapter 31, verse 19 and 20. I've been reading from the New King James. I'm going to read this from the NLT. And look what he says here. Tell me if you don't find atmosphere written all over it, in it. Sorry. Listen to this. How great is the goodness that you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection. Blessing them before the watching world. Huh? Before the world. You hide them in the shelter of your presence. Safe from those who conspire against them. You shelter them in your presence. Far from the accusing tongues. Huh? Lord, you've grabbed your beloved. And you've placed them in your atmosphere. And no one can touch them. You protect them. There's where you bless them. And there the world watches them. You're the shelter. Your presence is their shelter. They're safe in you from all those who conspire against them. And you shelter them in your presence far from any words that accuse them. You stuck these people and it's as if they live in a whole other atmosphere. How neat is that? That the atmosphere of this world cannot overcome us. Guys, our faith, our Christianity, our devotion, our walk should not be transformed by the atmosphere of this world. I hope you got this. That you set the tone. You, in your atmosphere, you bring it in. And you become the change of this world. You become the change of this world. You become the change. You know someone that, that lacks in giving? Give to them. You know that someone that's filled with hatred? Spend time loving them. Change the atmosphere. You know someone that's down? Be there. Be their encouragement. Change the atmosphere. You are the light of the world. You are the city set on a hill. That the glory of Christ would shine through it. And that you would lead men to the Father. You're it. You set the atmosphere. But is there a shift in your atmosphere in order for you to walk out and be the change of the atmosphere out there? There's a bad atmosphere out there, isn't there? It is polluted. It is darkened. It is sick. It is sick. But how beautiful it is that we walk in through that and we purify that which is sickening, that which is polluted. You're the purifiers because of the Christ that lives in you. Come on, a shift, shift in your atmosphere. How many of you could praise the Lord for that? Because that's me.
Shift. Shift. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we close off. Lord, I want to pray for a miracle in our lives today. There's someone here that needs a shift. And that in itself That in itself is a miracle. Lord, I pray that they would not hold back, but that they would run up to this altar, that they would cry out to you, and that they would say, Lord, I guess I'll come to you with both things, with my attitude and my atmosphere, and that you would bring a shift in both of them, that I'd be completely transformed today work in me and maybe today in your life you're crying out for that miracle the first thing that anyone's going to pray for you is Lord if the miracle is according to your will let them have faith let them them see that you are a God of miracles in their lives Lord hear them Lord let them break through Lord reach them today let them see that there are miracles all around them that they don't have to keep searching So that's what I want to do with, as you meditate in your heart and as we worship the Lord in song. If the altar, if you need to come to it to separate and get on your knees or come and worship the Lord. And and you need someone just to pray for you and say, pray for a miracle in my life. This is what I need prayer for. I need need you to believe for me. We're going to believe for a shift in the atmosphere for that. And we're going to believe that God has heard your cry and that God is able, more than able to accomplish according to his purpose, according to his will. So as we worship the Lord and you need that prayer, you need that miracle of your attitude, miracle of the atmosphere around you or certain things that you've been praying for, come up and and only if if you could testify of the miracles in your life. I I want all of you just around each other and just praying and lifting one another up. Say, Lord, bless my sister, bless my brother, bless their attitude, bless their atmosphere. Lord, you know the miracle in their lives. Speak it by name. Lord, and just pour out your spirit over them. Holy Spirit, move in their lives in freedom. And let us just have church here. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that they were all in one place in one accord. And suddenly from heaven there came a mighty rushing wind and a mighty sound. And the, and the Holy Spirit fell upon each and one of them. Their atmosphere changed. They were all in one place in one accord. And I pray for that right now. Holy Spirit, that we'd be in agreement and that you would fall like that mighty rushing wind and penetrate each life today. So if you need prayer, come up. And church, let's worship the Lord. Let's cry out to our God.